This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Turns out miracles do come true after 100 shots and close to eight and a half years. Manchester City finally score a goal away to Tottenham Hotspur. Plus, Jurgen calls it a day and City head to the Hatters in round five. It's Monday the 29th of January. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Ollie Kirsch. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to the City Report Podcast, your home, of course, for daily Manchester City content. I'm your host today, Amos Murphy. Joining me is Oliver Kirsch. Stick with us for the next 30 minutes or so as we dissect City's mammoth win in the FA Cup away to Spurs. Plus a word or two on Mr. Jurgen Klopp, who dropped that bombshell earlier in the week. Um, Oliver, I guess we'll get straight into it then. Just the two of us to dissect this win. But what a win it was. A result that, I mean, personally speaking, I thought would never come. And I mean, even during the game, we'll go into some of the chances. But City just looked like they didn't want to score, let alone couldn't score at that stadium. But lo and behold, the FA Cup is all about those magical and unpredictable storylines, including City getting a win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Finally. It's not that we didn't want to score. It's that external forces beyond our control (laughs) did not want us and have never wanted us to score at that ground. Um, but we've done it. 102 shots, I believe. Is that what it ended on. up as? I think it was. A, wow. I think it was 102. <laughs> I'm, I'm relying on data depth here. I think he shouted out there was 102. Which, fun fact, that's 0.886 shots per charge we have from the Premier League. So <laughs> you know, we're, we're nearly at the one-to-one ratio uh, before we need a goal at Spurs. So to score another one, we're going to have to need to rack up around another 115 or so charges, mm, 120 yeah. charges. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, I, 
it's it's like a nervous tick at this point. I can't have <laughs> just I can't be on a podcast without without one one five. Yeah, no. I mean, look, if this city team is capable of scoring a goal at Spurs away or winning at Spurs, mm. then this Man City team is capable of a double worlds. treble because that is the biggest miracle we have seen in a long time. Um, I was reading the Guardian's match report and they mentioned it says, towards the end of last season, Pep Guardiola was asked what might be left for him to achieve in the game if his Man City team completed the treble. Score a goal against Spurs away, he replied. Well, there we go. We've completed <laughs> football now. Pep's completed football and he can sail off into the sunset knowing he's achieved a whole lot more than some other quitters somewhere else in the northwest of England this week. Shots well and truly fired. Um, obviously, Liverpool, to be fair, well, they've scored. I think pretty much every team that's ever gone to that stadium, <laughs> bar one or two, has scored a goal. But Liverpool actually had a goal, very a very good goal disallowed at that stadium. And I was just, I could imagine... City having something similar like a VAR cock up stopping City from actually getting a goal. Well, it, it was tight, wasn't it? I mean, there were a couple it of shouts. In, there were a couple of shouts tight. in the chat saying that that that's going to get disallowed here, and it, it would have been mm. so typical. It would have been so typical. Yeah. Yeah, um, but obviously Nathan Ake pops up in the second half and we get a legitimate goal. Um, we, we'll, we'll go into sort of the, the, the wider thoughts of the, of the match in a second, sort of the tactics and, and how City managed to get the win because it was a, a thoroughly impressive performance. But one thing I just want to pick up on, and I know you probably would have seen this yourself, um, but it, it sort of filled me with warmth, I guess, seeing the reaction of the City fans. And, you know, we speak about the charges, but we also speak about the treble and this transformation this club has had over the last however many years. But at full time or just after the goal, whenever it was, I wasn't there in London myself. But basically, the City fans just up in arms singing, we've scored a goal, we've scored a goal, which is... You know, a lot of people listening to this won't necessarily be accustomed to British football chants, but it's very much a tongue-in-cheek sort of a, a chant you'd expect from a lower league club going to a Premier League club. That's what you sort of hear, you know, if, if City were playing against a championship, a League One team, and they scored, they might do something like that. So it was it was nice for me anyway to see that the club has still kept its sense of humour throughout all of this. Yeah, I mean, I think if you drag yourself off Twitter and away from the idiots that expect City to win 5-0 week mm. in, week out, week in, week out, yeah, the, the 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 fans in the stands have very much retained uh, almost a reverse gallows humour these days. It used to be gallows yeah. humour, you know, making light of the fact that we were traditionally a top division club playing at Macclesfield away, York away, etc. Well, we've always had that, but we have retained it. I mean, you only need to look... Uh, the away ends when we've, if we've had a couple of dodgy results on the bounce, even even this season, and mm. it's still nil nil at half time, or we go one nil down, and the away fans, the city end, are chanting, "We never win at home, we never win away." Mm. We've still got that, um, and also again, you know, you drag yourself off Twitter, and you've got a lot of uh, a lot of city fans that are saying. Yeah, that should be pretty jokes if we were relegated by the Premier League and went to play in the Championship. <laughs> I, I don't think we've lost that, um, which is nice. You're right. It, it's good to see that the fan base, we're not, in, I don't think we are entitled. I think we expect a lot and we should expect a lot mm. because mm. We're, we're now a highly successful footballing powerhouse. But I don't think we feel entitled to a lot. I think a lot of City fans, if we ever did get to a stage again where we weren't scoring a number of grounds for years and years on end, which used to happen fairly regularly, or at least you know, not winning at certain grounds. I think Old Trafford would The achievement would be scoring a goal at Anfield or yeah, Stamford Bridge or yeah, White Hart Lane or wherever it was. I mean, Anfield, just, just to name a couple, Anfield, Old Trafford, 
Um, trying to think where else. Potentially, potentially Stamford Bridge. We we had before at least the the Pepe or Sheikh Mansouri. We had some atrocious decades long runs mm. at those grounds of not winning. Um, yeah, shit, it's fun. Embrace it. It's nice. It's nice to have those little moments. Yeah, I, I think you can probably only breed inside something after the success comes and goes, and then you have a, another generation mm. or decade or so. You know, a little bit like those lot down the road um, in, in Stretford. Anyway, let, let's touch on the match itself because I want to get I want to get deep into it because I personally thought it was an intriguing contest and City thoroughly dominating Tottenham Hotspur, and it, it surprised me actually because I mean, obviously. I knew City played really well and were much the better team and deserved to win. But going back and looking at some of the stats um, just before hopping on to record this episode, Tottenham only had one shot. And that makes sense in my mind now looking, thinking back because it's like, OK, I don't remember any massive chances they had. But City had 18. And I mean, we speak about that hoodoo. Um, shout out to the, the phallic formations in Utah <laughs> for one last time. CC, Adam Booker. But... Just to go there on a Friday night, raucous atmosphere in front of 65,000 fans, whatever the capacity was, obviously 9,000 of them being City and, and superb support there. But to just put the foot down and control the match from the off, for me anyway, was so... It was just brilliant to watch. I thought it was such a good performance from City from minute one up until the 90th minute and a deserved victory. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there, I said this on the preview show when we were talking about said hoodoo, shout out Adam Booker and the rock formations in Utah, <laughs> um, that without sounding like a dick, we are a far superior football team to Tottenham. And end off, yeah. like, we just are. Um, so... We to, to to go and dominate is almost business as usual. You know, I think we're over that mm. uh, over the hump that we had at the back end of 2023. We do seem to have turned the corner. Fingers crossed, Suchwood, etc. So we we should, with a team that is pretty much full strength, be going and dominating Tottenham. The big mm. thing, the, the the big hurdle to get over was to get the result, but the performance itself. I am pleased because they can, they can be those kind of games away at the other end of the country, as you said, Friday night, big atmosphere, Spurs with a rocket up them because of their home record against City. We wouldn't have been surprised to have seen a middling performance with some frustrating moments, but it wasn't. We were pretty solid. We did what we do. And mm. I'd say crucially, we got the goal. Um, but equally, it wouldn't have surprised me if Spurs had gone up the other end and scored. I mean, the one chance they did get, just had a look at it, that one chance was 0.28 XG, which is high. For, for, yeah. for a single yeah. shot, that's high, right? So The Brennan Johnson one, wasn't it? Yeah. Sort of, um, early on in that second. When Spurs probably had their best spell just after half-time, it looked like they sort of weathered the storm from the first half. Yeah. So it could have very easily been one of those games where we say, mm. why aren't we able to just get these kind of performances over the line? You know, conceded with one big shot on target from them, would not manage to put the ball in the back of the net. And these are the fine margins. But we did. We got the job done. And reassuringly, we got the job done with an encouraging, a strong, encouraging, that's almost mm. too negative, a strong performance. It's, <laughs> it's nice. It's great to see away at Spurs. Really good to see. Mm. Yeah, and and again, you know, these we spoke about what left is the for Guardiola to do, and of course it was sarcastic score a goal at Spurs, but that has been a little bit of a hurdle, and I think perhaps now maybe the final boss of uh, Premier League football grounds for Guardiola to go and do it, albeit 
it has happened in recent years at Anfield, but in front of a crowd, which is probably Anfield's biggest strength, or at least Liverpool's biggest strength in terms of home matches, maybe a little bit of chat on them in part two, would be to go and get a win there. And given how the title race is shaping up, that, that's looking like it's going to be a, a pretty big game. I think it's mid-March for that one. Um, going back to it then, in terms of City's performance, one thing that struck me I thought was, was interesting, because City obviously dominant, we know that, but this... I don't know if you'd call it imbalanced approach. I don't know. I've seen mixed reviews to it. Personally, I wasn't too fond of it. But basically what I'm inferring at is Kyle Walker and Gvardiol essentially being City's wingers uh, when City are in possession. And at most cases, when, when City are out of possession, I think had maybe Tottenham been on the ball a little bit more, Timo Werner, um, laugh at him all you want, but he was finding himself in some fantastic positions. And I think... Tottenham's passing, maybe if James Madison had been on the pitch longer, they might have picked him out a little bit more. Anyway, in build-up, I'm not too sure on it. I understand why City are doing it. It p- tries to prevent against the counter-attack, a little bit like we saw with uh, one of the defenders stepping into midfield last season. However, specifically without Erling Haaland in the team, and I think Obviously, any team's going to be less off with with him there. But because Alvarez is dropping so deep, you lose that figurehead in in the midfield. And Bernardo, Bob Foden did a great job at drifting about, coming inside, etc. But I just wasn't sure on that. It felt like City were being quite profligate when they got the ball in the final third. I don't know if that was something that was shared by yourself. Yeah, I I was also... I wouldn't say I was perplexed by the lineup. Again, something I shouted out on me and Bucko going through the potential starting lineup. For me, the biggest question was, was it going to be Bob? Was it going to be Grealish? Mm. Or was it going to be Doku? Doku. And yeah. said Bob could start because it's a cup game and Rico Lewis could come in because it's a cup game. <clears throat> kind of unlikely options, but obviously Bob was in there. And I think... Pep, what, what Pep did was opt to counter the Spurs' threat of a counter mm. at the back rather than up top. Personally, and I mean, who am I to say what Pep might have done better? Personally, I would have gone in with Grealish mm. to protect the ball better further up the pitch rather than stacking the back line with Guardiola and Walker, who are not strong going forward. Uh, Guardiola has moments in him. We've seen what he can do on the ball. He can he can be a bit of an unexpected wizard. I, to be fair, I, I said that. I thought he played well. Yeah. I thought he did. He, I, but he's not a marauding he, he, fullback, he could, right? No. He's, he's, not, no. he's not like a Chancello. Yeah. Um, it's a tough ask, basically. Yeah. His real, the, the reason you play Guardiola and Walker is is to have a strong back line to counter mm. a, you know, the threat of a counter attack. I, I would have probably rather that we'd gone with Grealish and addressed that issue up top. Mm. And I think those frustrations really, really came to the surface when Doku came on the pitch and struggled. Um, yeah. He, he didn't keep the ball very well when. He did lose the ball. Did, did you see that clip? Yeah, of, Pep was uh, screaming Guardiola at him. Berets, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I noticed. Wasn't a happy bunny. I noticed that live, and this is it. So you know, Doku was almost working himself into a double frustration because he was losing the ball, which, mm. when you're a dribbler like him, you can do, and that's fine. But against a team like Spurs, it's kind of not fine. And yeah. then coming back, he he didn't really put the hard yards in, and he'll learn. He's still very raw, and this doubles up as a message to all you idiots that saw Doku for three games play well and said, this guy's ready, this guy needs to be in ahead of Grealish, he needs to be in ahead of whoever. He He's not. He's got. He's still got a lot to learn. He's still a very young lad. 
And he's still adjusting to the way that Pep wants him to play. And sometimes that just means screaming at him saying, fucking run. And he needs to get on his bike and run. Mm. He's learning. Grealish would probably have been the better option against Spurs, just purely for his ability to retain the ball. And he is a hard worker. When Grealish needs to get back and chase, boy, does he do it. So, Mm. um, yeah, but without Grealish on the pitch, Walker and Guardiol make sense. If you've got Grealish on the pitch, maybe you can have you can be a bit more adventurous with what you do with one of your fullbacks. Um, but I'm fairly happy. These are these are little things, ultimately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know they're not yeah. major issues. They're small tactical nuances, and we're still figuring. Pep's still figuring out as he does every season. Yeah, I was going to say just that. I think if you fast, oh, sorry, rewind 12 months, God knows what if we fast forwarded 12 months, maybe we speak about a, a 2 0 win against Swindon Town instead, but um, <laughs> a league win, that is. Yeah. Um, but if you, if you rewind a year ago, I don't think anybody thought that we'd look as fluid as we did at the end of the season. Mm. So the fact that we have gone away to Tottenham, we've dominated, and there's still these sort of clinks to work out, chinks in the armour, you know, whatever idiom you want to put towards it, but City whisper it seems to be finding form um finally before the break one last shout out in terms of personnel I thought Mateo Kovacic was superb and he started the season really well um I remember tweeting something along the lines of 30 million pound Mateo Kovacic bookmark it sign of the season blah 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 that obviously tailed off quite substantially with a mixture of injuries and being sort of thrown into the mix to cover Rodri when he was out for his suspension and looked off the pace, etc, etc. You know, we've been over it before, but Huddersfield, I thought he was sublime, but it was Huddersfield, a team towards the bottom of the championship, um, who was the league game. Oh, Newcastle, again, I think he, he played a decent role in that. But other than that, this game was probably, I think, his standout moment for City so far. He just he just looked really comfortable next to Rodri. And I don't know, maybe he looks like the player who used to wear number eight at Manchester City. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that just yet. He looked a little bit like Ilkay Gundogan when he was playing. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I was just trying to think of any number eights that I can recall from the mid-2000s and, and make a shit joke about one of them. But um, Paul, Was it Antoine Sibieski number eight? Quite was, possibly, was yes. Sibieski was, was all right. Respect Antoine Sibieski. Yeah, Bolton Wanderers legend. Did job. Um, yeah, no, you're right. And I, I kind of feel for Kovac. Listen, Kovacic is a player. He's he's extraordinarily talented. He, he, he always has been. Mm. He's... I think he's just going to be one of those players that are a bit of a steady Eddie, a little bit under the radar, kind of like Hilkai was for a while until mm. until his end of season heroics and twelve seconds in the FA Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Though he had Ilkai had standout moments, but as a player, he maybe kind of went under the radar game to game. And I think Kovacic is in a, in a very similar role, um, but it's almost doubled now because Kovacic has come into a team that are now the stuff of legends. The the team that did the treble then went on to do quadruple, which of course he was part of, and the quintuple. But the the core players are worshipped. You've then got the glamorous new signings like uh, Doku, who are capable of big moments and you know getting you off your seat. A couple of newcomers, Rico still developing, Oscar Bob a lot of attention on him. So Kovacic and to an extent Matthias Nunes are kind of going under the radar a little bit. But yeah, I think I think he's. He's a player that will 
will really thrive under Pep, even though he's he's what twenty eight now. Um, I think he's, he's yeah. younger footballing education years on there. But listen, we picked up Fernandinho at like twenty nine, and look what he achieved with the club, and look how mm. good he was, and how much he developed and came on in his time at City, even as he was touching thirty years old. So. Yeah, I'm. I've got stocks in Kovacic, uh, and I think performances like like those specifically against Spurs are the the where I think we're going to see them more often, uh, as we did with Gundo once he settled in. But I don't think he's necessarily going to get his flowers as much as he deserves, just purely because of the role that he's playing in and the players that are surrounding him. But that's off. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And coincidentally, um, or maybe incidentally, he's played in City's last seven matches, which of course have all been wins. The last time he didn't play any minutes was against Crystal Palace back in December, which City drew. Um, and speaking of uh, coincidences, uh, Antoine Sobieski was number 10. So I think that says a lot about City's um, yeah. ability. In terms give me, give of me a list of our number eights if you've got it handy. <laughs> um, I've not got it handy, unfortunately. Maybe I'll get that part too, because we're going to go and jump for a break but um whilst i scramble on transfer market for manchester city number eight so you stay exactly where you are listeners we'll be back in a moment away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the etihad stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season and the same goes for mcdelivery maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. We are back to five episodes a week because football is back, of course, and for midweek game for City against Burnley. So keep a lookout for that in your podcast feed. We'll be covering more of the Tottenham win in tomorrow's show as well, particularly the defensive setup because Personally, I felt like it was back to City's best in that department. But um, like a, a good ITV game show, Ollie, before the break, we teased um, maybe some Man City number eight of past. Ilkay Gundogan was obviously the most recent um, occupant of that shirt number, doing it from 2016 to 2023. How far back do you reckon you could name? Um, I don't, I'm not necessarily asking for chronological and we'll keep it swift because we have got plenty to speak about. But can you think of any others um, in recent years that, that maybe have, have, have held that number? I've got it in front of me now, by the way. And there were some, you know, some canny operators. I think the first one that cropped into my head from the Sibierski era was, was Paul Bosvelt, potentially. No, 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 no. Um, 
No, because this is interesting. And I don't know if you saw it over the weekend. Obviously, I, uh, once a blue, always a blue, Calvin Phillips announced himself as a, well, didn't announce himself. He moved to West Ham and, and took the, the weird number for holding midfield of number 11. This is kind of the opposite. Um, Robbie Fowler was number eight during that era. Wow. Um, obviously, Old, so younger listeners, uh, Robbie Fowler being a centre forward, old, older listeners, you'll be very well acquainted to him. Um, a man in the headlines at the moment, not for the right reasons, also wore number eight. Um, Joe Biden, <laughs> Donald Trump. Um, um, <laughs> well, you were you were close to the first name of the first one. Uh, oh, Joe, Joey, Joey Barton. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, the man who who delivered City's uh, the first part of City's double win. You did it fantastic. Yeah, reviewing Sven's era, season Giovanni. Um, Giovanni, yeah. yeah. Um, and personally, my favourite player of all time when he returned to City in he... two thousand eight. I think it was um, returns to City, kicking about on the match day live and and plenty of the club's media. He was he was a number eight. Okay, well, if you're going to have a player. <laughs> If as a new wealthy owner you're going to endear yourself to the fans and bring a returning player in, that would have to be Sean Wright Phillips. Absolutely, yeah. Um, a couple of us, David Pizarro, uh, 2011-12 would legend, never get obviously that. arrived on loan. <laughs> no, I don't think, I, think, I think anybody saying David Pizarro... Um, well done, first of all, but second of all, seek seek medical help. Um, and Sammy Nasri, who was the other one, um, possibly more of, more of an obvious one. But yeah, um, decent, some decent plays there. Um, I, I just want to pick up the pieces from the Tottenham game before we move on and speak about um, sort of Jurgen Klopp, obviously his news over the weekend. Final point on that for me, Kevin De Bruyne, because... Okay, he didn't get an assist for this uh, for, for Nathan Ake's goal, but of course he was the one who put the cross in. And I was looking back through City's last sort of three games of well, all all games of this calendar year in terms of the Huddersfield, the Newcastle, and the Tottenham. Because I've, if I've done my maths correctly, Kevin De Bruyne has been on the pitch for over fifty percent of City's goals this calendar year. I think it's been nine, and he's been on the pitch for five. Wow. He's had a pretty He's had a pretty decent hand in all five of those as well. Um, this may be sound like a weighted question, but a City suddenly relying on Kevin De Bruyne again, even though he's only been back from injury for what three games. I don't think we're relying. Reliance really harsh. Um, a weighted. It's question. hard not to be that no weighted because. <laughs> Most 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 <laughs> football clubs you would expect to be relying on Kevin De Bruyne at any point. You know, it's not me yeah. saying it's a bad thing, but we've clearly seen the introduction he's had when he's been brought on the pitch. City just look more creative when he's playing. Yeah, he's listen. Kevin De Bruyne is the difference. I, again, I'm, I'm kind of tapping the sign here because I've said it on this pod so many times. If Kevin De Bruyne stays fit, we will walk the league. That is my firm mm. belief because he is the difference between what is. <clears throat> maybe a, a, a tight title run because we are still a title winning team without him. We return mm-hmm. to form, turn that corner, so to speak, without De Bruyne or Haaland. We are still an elite football team, but he is that difference between having the confidence that you're going to be in a title race and maybe pipping it to, yeah, we're going to win this. He, he is yeah. that difference. And I mean, as you just said, He's got a hand in over 50% of our goals, but he's played, must be less than 50% of the season, far less than 50% I think of it the was, season. Yeah, I think it was like 39% it worked out. I mean, yeah. it wasn't as sexy as a stat when I wrote it down, like he's 
had a hand in 50% of the goals since coming back and he's only yeah, played yeah. 39% of the minutes. You know, I think he's played something like 75 minutes of the 180 you know, throughout the game. So it's a fair chunk, yeah. um, but don't get me wrong, it's still influential. But the point is um, that we are a far more lethal force going forward with yeah, him in the side yeah. than without whether he's scoring. And that's without Haaland as well, yeah. which probably needs to be mentioned, so God knows what it could have been. Yeah, and again, just when we were talking about the form that we had towards the back end of last year, everyone was getting frustrated and... We we aren't conceding that many more goals than we did at this stage last season. The difference is that we're scoring mm. a little bit less. Well, obviously, if you've not got Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne in your side, <laughs> yeah. you are going to be scoring less. So again, he he can be the difference because of how good we are putting the ball in the net, even if we do still concede those little frustrating goals. It won't matter if we're scoring two, three or four more than them. So mm. yeah, he, he, it's a massive difference. I don't think we're reliant on him. Uh, but we are in a far better place with him. But as you said, mm. as would any club with him. He's, he's the best midfielder in the world. He's probably the best player yeah. in the world right now. Um, or at least he was last season. I don't think it's fair to say that, given that he's not played too much. But And, you know, and he walks into any team in the world and he improves them. That, mm. That's the top and bottom of it. That, that, that's interesting. I'm going to be contrarian and say that actually Rodri is probably the best midfielder in the world both just sort of on paper and okay. in current form. I mean, the guy's just gone 51 games for City unbeaten, but Kevin De Bruyne is probably the most influential midfielder it, because Rodri can't win a game like Kevin De Bruyne. Well, yeah. <laughs> Istanbul yeah, probably are, says yeah. differently, but you get my, you get my gist. Um, and I think City probably are reliant on Kevin De Bruyne, but that isn't in a pejorative sense because it's Kevin yeah. De Bruyne. I would say we're City more reliant on Rodri. Fantastic. Possibly, yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree there. Um, to to win matches, but to sort of make things happen, perhaps maybe Kev mm. edges that. Mm. Um, finally, then I have to ask it. I mean, I know what your answer is going to be, but it's been a talking <laughs> point. Um, did Ruben Diaz foul Vicario in the build up to Nathan no. Ake's goal? Um, there you keep go. Keep his goal be strong. <laughs> I mean, this is it, it. it. It's a ridiculous narrative that's come out. I, I was a keeper when I was younger, albeit a shit one uh, at Sunday League level. <laughs> um, but the one thing that you were always taught was, and this is why keepers are all supposedly a bit mad. Mm. You've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. You, yeah. You're diving at feet. You're sometimes taking ball square in the face. You're jumping up with players. Uh, you, you've got to be strong. And as a keeper, you've got to be stronger. Now, if, if Vicario if Vicario was stronger there in that challenge and was brought down, he'd actually have more of a case. Um, mm. But he's he's just kind of flopped over like a super noodle. I was going to say he's that super noodle, yeah. Um, he's just sort of flapped out, hasn't yeah. he? He's, 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 I don't, he's I, looking for like, it. And as a keeper, you can't yeah. look for it. You've got to go for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You're the Absolutely. last man. You can't take chances on whether or not the ref's going to blow. You can't take those chances. Mm. I, I think, I don't know if anyone else caught this, but Ruben Diaz was, and, and it's a totally legitimate practice, this isn't me saying City have sort of been delving into the dark arts, but Ruben Diaz was adopting that position for most of the game, sort of jostling before the ball was put into play, and you know, it's a little bit cheeky, maybe the referee spots it and he, he cuts it out, that's on the referee, but I think Vicario had maybe just lost his rag a little bit because it had been happening all night, and then he's he's come out, he's tried to get it, he's flapped it, and Ake's poked it in and and, and City scored a goal, but it's absolutely not a foul, and mm. I think it, the, the, the narrative that has come out of it has been ludicrous to point it as this sort of major incident that's one City the game. I was surprised it was even checked by VAR for that long at least, because it was sort of one of them, one look at it, and you know it's not a foul. Anyway, um, 
angry Tottenham fans are, are sort of it's always nice to see that so um, we'll, we'll leave it at that uh, Luton Town away for City in the fifth round we'll be doing some more talk on that obviously nearer the time we've got I think it's five weeks quite quite a gap in between rounds but before we bounce out of here for today Jurgen Klopp has announced he's leaving and um, I want to sort of pick up this throughout the week because we can sort of come at it from all sorts of angles but it'd be wrong of us not to end the show speaking about it I've got some thoughts. You've got some thoughts, as is often the case uh, between you and I. They differ uh, <laughs> quite considerably. Um, what What did you make of the news? And first of all, I mean, I think we can both agree the reaction to it has been pretty pathetic. Um, more fool us for not having a minute silence before we start today's show <laughs> to, mourn, to mourn the loss of Jurgen Klopp. Because um, I think most people, had you been in, I don't know, a coma for the last couple of weeks and woke up on Saturday morning, you'd have assumed Jurgen Klopp had passed away. Um, shout out to the fellow who tweeted the. The, the tweet about the mournful you'll never walk alone yeah. a, a train station in Liverpool um, f- try and find the connection there anyway but what did you make of the news and, and obviously the reaction to it um, afterwards uh, first of all Alf Wiedersen is that right <laughs> yeah. Amos uh, yeah well that means sort of until until we see each other again I think but you could say choose Bishbata Bisbald um, all sorts of I, I'll, I'll write some down for you thank you Geolingo's going well, I see. Um, <laughs> it's <is> <laughs> um, I'm really not. I'm, I don't care. I don't care. You don't care. I don't care. I just. <laughs> I don't care. If, if Klopp says he's staying for next season, or if he says he go, I don't care. Really. Um, the City Pool rivalry was is was is probably still is for this season. Uh, still could be at least. Yeah, is some fun and. Man, I just don't care. I'm sorry. And do you know what? Do you know what as well? We're now going to have this mourning period all over football media, non-stop, over the next few months. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone, it's very rare that I give Alex Ferguson too much praise, but he let his team crack on for the rest of the season, won the title, and then announced that he was leaving. Instead, in, in arguably expected fashion uh Klopp has announced it now when he didn't need to <laughs> and will be taking the plaudits as much as he can I'm sure he'll soak it in I'm sure those fist pumps at the end of every full time every win <laughs> will mean that little bit more because this means more uh, the fist pumps me more so I, I don't care that he's leaving I have thoughts on <laughs> I mean I certainly wouldn't be happy if I was a Liverpool fan that he's announced it now uh, I'm not happy as a football fan because I'm just going to have to read back page after fucking back page of it for the next few months. Um, will it give them a boost in the title race? Maybe. Will it make it even worse when we I want, pick them I want on to the pick last day? On Definitely. Because I, I, I think this is the biggest talking point from all of the yeah. news because for work purposes or sort of, I don't know, whatever, I've, I've watched quite a bit of Liverpool this year and I have to say they look good. Mm. And you can speak about that they've not necessarily had any massive challenges when they have had those challenges. I'm thinking Arsenal and Man United at Anfield in consecutive matches. They drew both of them. Obviously, they beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, but it's the FA Cup, Cup matches, etc., etc. However, they do look like they're a functioning team. And almost, I've been drifting back into that sort of, to use the phrase, city city pool. Is that is that how the kids city call pool, it? Is yeah. that the right... City pool, um, you know, when you're watching Liverpool matches and, and they score and you're like, oh, and you realise that, no, actually, we are in January and anything could change from, from here on in. But 
if he's leaving, and I think it, I think this is a genuine leaving call. I, I'd be surprised if he did an Alex Ferguson in 2002 turn around and said, no, guys, I'm staying, blah, blah. He, he genuinely, to be fair to him, he genuinely looks spent in that video. And I think he has done maybe in the last year or two. Um, and actually, I think he, he didn't necessarily envisage this season going as well as it did. I would have probably, this is just hunch, by the way, but I'd have probably assumed he'd have left last year. If, if the, if the, the word about him being sort of, um, Lacking energy, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is true. However, Liverpool were in such a bad place, he maybe felt an onus and a duty to do that rebuild, and it's probably gone a lot better than he'd have expected, and a lot of other people have expected. However, I do think this is going to give him a massive boost in the title race. I think it could be one of those things where the players leave absolutely everything they've got left because they have been doing really well and they're already into a cup final. The Europa League is the Europa League. We won't care about that too much, but they're into the last 16 in the FA Cup and the top of the Premier League. So this could potentially be a a historic couple of months into the season for Liverpool. Obviously, we're hoping it ends as it always does with Pep Guardiola lifting the Premier League instead, and I think that'd be a fitting end to the to the Jurgen Klopp era <laughs> if it does if it does finish with another Pep Guardiola title. I have to say, yeah, this is it. People call it a city pool rivalry, and it'll be an end to that era. <clears throat> I mean, what we, we've won five titles, they've won one. You know, we, we, we've won a treble, they've not won a treble. They, they've been consistently behind us. They nearly won the quadruple. They nearly um, won the quadruple. They're, they're at pains, as you know, at pains to uh, tell everyone at every single opportunity, oh, yes. which has somehow become like equal to City actually doing the treble. Liverpool nearly doing the quadruple is, is equal. Well, this is it. And actually, I just want to say you've touched on a really important point there. I, I've I've said maybe a, a little bit, a little bit throwaway that Klopp's underachieved. Right, I don't necessarily think he's underachieved because this City team under Pep has been out of this world. I do think his success is overstated. That's interesting. I think his success is overstated. He has not had that much success. He's won a Champions League, amazing. He's won the Premier League, amazing. And he's won a couple of other domestic trophies along the way over the course of how long? Ten years nine, has he done? Nine, ten years? years, I think it is. In 2015, he arrived, so we'll go. It'll be nine years by the time he leaves. Right. Okay. So almost a decade in charge, and he's he's won. That that isn't over and above what a fair few managers have done by now in the Premier League. Won a title, won a Champions League. Mourinho's done it. Obviously, Ferguson did it several times. Pep's now won several Premier Leagues. Is, is that not just testament to City though? Because that's how I look at it. Because I I don't personally I don't necessarily understand the playing down Klopp's achievements because I think you can look at it two sides and I don't want to go down the whole Liverpool this means more etc but he genuinely has galvanised an entire city or at least the, yeah. the red half of that city and global fan base but at the same time that one Premier League is probably at least three without City that one Champions League could have very easily been two possibly three you know anyway the Champions League the Champions but the, League but these are, all, these are all hypotheticals Amos they're, they're all hypotheticals exactly, exactly. I, I, what I'm getting at is City's success has invariably limited Liverpool's success and that's a, that's that's a pat on Pep's back another pat on his back right. like for me both of them can, can coexist Klopp could have been brilliant at Liverpool Pep could have been better at City I don't see a world where those two existing is a problem. There, there, there is always someone else. It's like saying that I would be the best footballer in this country if there weren't 300,000 footballers better than me. Well, and you yes, just it, admitted you were a shit goalkeeper, so I think Well, I was a shit goalkeeper, and then I moved outfield and I was still bang <laughs> average to mediocre. Um, but, you know, it's, it's true. Yeah, he... he the, part of this is Liverpool fans' fault. You know, there, there was that, that season or two when they built it all up and they said, 
got the best best manager in the world. We've got the best <laughs> players in every position, and it did happen. I don't want any denying here. This did happen on mass. You know, no, no, absolutely. Half in the world, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world. Got the I think the manager the himself said it. To be fair, yeah, and position by position, Fabinho is better than Rodri, and this player is better than that player. And then he 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 doesn't make sense, right? And then he failed to go and beat Pep, who is an inferior manager than Klopp with an inferior team. Clearly, blah 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 blah. So. I think I, I don't want to do down what he's done. Yes, he's transformed Liverpool uh, from where they were. You know, they had a bit of a come up with Brendan Rodgers. We had a title race with them, and then they dropped off again. Klopp comes in and he real rebuilt the team. He's done a fantastic job, and he's gone mm. way beyond the expectations that were placed upon him when he joined Liverpool. Fair, but his success is overstated. He has not. He has not impacted the Premier League or English football in the same way that Pep has. He hasn't achieved the things that Pep has achieved. Mm. He has not been as successful as Pep. Has he been successful? Yes. Has he underachieved? No, he's overachieved. But let's not overstate this, right? This rivalry has been City's era, and it it will be remembered as City's era. And I don't want to say this to disrespect Klopp, because he's he's a phenomenal football manager. Uh, But... As you say, maybe it's just unfortunate or maybe because he's just not quite good enough, he hasn't managed to outdo Pep and the lads. And that, that that's it. But respect to him, best of luck, blah, 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 if he carries on. Um, but I'll just circle back to, do I care about him leaving? <laughs> not particularly. It would have been a bit more fun to hear some more excuses if he was staying on after a bad result. Uh, and to enjoy the football between Liverpool and City because they will, like City will, mm-hmm. when Pep goes, inevitably have a drop-off. Uh, but with him leaving, no, I'm not too bothered. And I think a challenger always steps up to the plate. You know, Liverpool dropped off last season, Arsenal stepped up. Um, whatever happens, there are very, very, very... The years when you have no real title challenger with you are few and far between. Even under Pep, when, you know, how good we've been. Mm. Only, I think, one of the titles wasn't decided late on. That was United. They were in second, like 20 points behind us or something. 2017, 18 and 2021, 2020, 2021 um, have been sort of five games from the end of the season. Something like that. So two out of five. So, yeah, a challenger usually steps up, no matter how good you are. Uh, I suspect Mm. that'll be the same. That'll be the same afterwards. But um, no, thanks for the laughs, Jürgen. Mm, yeah, yeah, and the excuses and the tears um, for you, not for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I take, I take the thing is, I take that point. I think all that's being done here with the narrative is making a, a rod for Pep Guardiola's back when he signs off, and, and suddenly, you know, if 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 Jurgen Klopp has done the greatest transformation, blah blah blah, what's Pep Guardiola done? Um, so it'll be mm. interesting to see that. I, I, to be fair as well, I do think City. You can have a Jurgen Klopp Pep era. I think those have being the two, well, probably two of the greatest managers in Premier League history. Some might say the two greatest. Obviously, again, Pep Guardiola comes on top. Most eras have a winner, and I think it's it's fair to say City's has been, um, well, it's been City. Um, okay, that'll do for part. This will, this will do for the episode. In fact, um, we will leave it there. Oliver, thank you very much. Thank you as always. I imagine there'll be plenty more Jurgen Klopp chat throughout the season, so stay tuned for that, along with all of the other episodes coming this week in your podcast feed. But until then, it's been a pleasure. We will see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. 
from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.